0: Conjunction Junction, what's the dysfunction? A new strain of COVID-19 is spreading, lawmakers are settling, and investors are selling. Winter is here, fellow passengers. Grab a blanket and climb aboard the Investopedia Express. Jupiter and Saturn are entering conjunction, the age of Aquarius is making its entrance, and it's wearing red as global equity markets are in a steep sell-off this Monday morning. A new, highly spreadable strain of COVID-19 is coming out of the UK, and it may be behind investors' latest fears. It's coming just as economies in Europe and the U.S. tighten restrictions on travel, gatherings, and business activity. U.S. lawmakers have finally agreed to that $900 billion stimulus package, but it may be too little, too late for millions of Americans at the end of their financial ropes. Here are the details. $600 $600 stimulus checks for individuals under a certain income, $300 per week in expanded unemployment benefits, over $300 billion for small businesses, that's part of the PPP loans and the targeted EIDL grants, $82 billion for education, $45 billion for transport, including $15 billion in airline payroll, $27 billion for state highways, struggling transit agencies, including Amtrak and airports. $25 billion in rental assistance and the extension of the eviction moratorium, and the extension and the improvement of the employee retention tax credit. There's $15 billion dedicated for funding for live venues, independent movie theaters, and cultural institutions like museums. $13 billion in increased SNAP and child nutrition benefits, $10 billion for child care assistance, $7 billion to increase access to broadband, and $3.36 billion for more Vaccine Alliance funding. Electric automaker Tesla is now a member of the S&P 500, a big member. It will be the fifth largest stock in the S&P 500, six if you include both shares of Alphabet, although it will only account for less than 2% of the index's total market cap. There's some other giants in front of it, like Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. Funds and ETFs that track the S&P 500 have been scooping up shares of Tesla and unloading shares of other companies in the index whose market caps are shrinking in order to make room. Tesla shares are up just 700% year-to-date. Talk about supernovas. But investors may want to prepare themselves for a post-inclusion drop. It happened to Facebook and Yahoo when those stocks entered the benchmark index, and it's typical for stocks to trail the rest of the market after they've been added. Tesla's defied most of the normal rules for investing, so anything can happen. Can we rock some heavy metals for a minute? Base metals like copper and iron ore have been seeing heavy money flows lately. Copper's been hitting the highest level since 2013, while gold has been sinking like a stone. Why is this happening? Well, copper is a widely used metal in industrial production, and as economies recover, even despite these latest lockdown measures, commodity investors have been piling into Dr. Copper and iron. Iron ore prices are at a seven-year high. How about some intermarket correlation? Well, look no further than emerging markets, which are also at multi-year highs. The industrial and manufacturing recovery is happening, folks, even though you may not see it on Main Street. Stock markets and their high-profile companies in the headlines get all the attention, but if you want to see what big investors see through their telescopes, you have to look at the metals. Speaking of markets, here's how a few of those major asset classes have performed so far in the madness that has been 2020. Gold has returned 22% year-to-date. Global equities have returned 15%. U.S. investment-grade corporate bonds, up 9.6%. U.S. treasury yields, 8.8%. How about those high-yield corporate bonds, up 7.3%. Cash, less than half a percent. The dollar, down 6.2%. And oil, down 22.5%. It's been hard to go wrong in 2020, unless you held on to cash or oil. Like the planetary conjunction, We may never see another year like this in our lifetime. 2020 has been a wake-up call for investors and the financial services industry in so many ways. The year has challenged all of our investing assumptions and behaviors and brought out the animal spirits in all of us. It has also been a year where the value of financial advice has been priceless. At Investopedia, we honor and celebrate those financial advisors who have the most influence and impact on the industry as it relates to financial literacy and investor education. Doug Bonaparte of Bonafide Wealth is always at the top of our list on the Investopedia 100, and he's with us today on The Express. Welcome aboard, Doug. Hey, Caleb. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. You are so great, Doug, at counseling investors to keep things simple, even in volatile times. How hard was this to do in 2020 with your clients?
1: Personally, I mean, I think the challenge for me as well as my clients, given, you know, I serve mostly my peers is, you know, we got a bunch of little kids running around and stuff. So like life logistics was the greatest challenge. And, you know, I'll I'll own that while March, April, May, you know, basically before big stimulus hit and the market started to go, you know, basically straight up. I mean, that was insane, insanely scary from you know someone who has a career in, in the capital markets here, but didn't take too long to see which way we were going here. And look, you got to own that. You got to say, look, we've kind of given a gift here that Fed stepped in and, and supported things that obviously made everyone feel a lot better, whether it's a retiree, a young investor, someone working in wealth management. <laughs> but that aside, what a crazy... Crazy year on all fronts. But for me, my clients, yeah, definitely life logistics, two working spouses, two kids, daycare closed. What do you what do you do? Like you you basically have to reconfigure your entire life. And that's not easy.
0: Let's talk about your client. You deal with clients of all age ages, but also a lot of younger clients, millennial investors, even younger who are just getting started. What kinds of questions are they asking you now, given the year that we've had planning for 2021?
1: Yeah, I I think they've fortunately have found themselves back into gearing up for where they left off, you know, going or at least where we were beginning 2020. They so eagerly want to get back on track, you know, get that train back on the rails there. It's it's just been chaotic. And you can really divvy this up, you know, for the clients, particularly younger ones, actually any age that that were in good shape, right, that, that did the planning beforehand, that had a strong emergency fund that maybe got lucky with their job. Wasn't laid off or you know they weren't fur- furloughed. Those were the ones who had the capacity to take additional risks and buy the dip and really come out ahead. Here, it's crazy to think that like you know that's the K-shaped recovery. They're they're on the upward trend and there's a number of clients who had to overcome the obstacle that was thrown in their way of getting laid off or losing their job. I think that was the biggest thing for for my clients was when the income faucet was turned off. Luckily, again, they've done the planning. They've had the reserves to. Get through that, put themselves back on the job market, and now they they want to get back to it. They want to get back to saving for that house and start their family. They want to get those first dollars into the market. They want to know that they're on track to achieve financial independence someday.
0: The silver lining of a of a year like this is a lot of new investors came into the market. A lot of new traders came into the market, but and they, and they'll learn the hard way. But a lot of people came in for the first time, and it kind of puts the onus on us, financial advisors like you educators and publishers like us to really lean into the financial education and the literacy part of it, which is something you're so good at doing. What's your approach to that beyond your Twitter feed, which is one of the most entertaining out there, but you really approach it from a from a whole scale media point of view, but with education as the backbone?
1: Yeah, it's, it's great to tell jokes and have a humorous account. That's just good for capturing attention. And then you got to deliver on actionable, digestible advice. And what I love about the space right now is we've extended ourselves into almost any platform imaginable, whether it's social media or mainstream media. So if you can get the attention, whether it's through humor or an amazing chart, or you're a great, you know, uh, tactical investor and you have proof of work or content for that, you can you can be heard. So for me, it's it's pairing humor with financial education. You have to understand the investment piece. Is the most sensational part. You can always do a pretty good job of capturing people's attention, you know, whether it's because of the gamification or gamblification or the money making element, you know, that that's why you can scream bye-bye bye, sell, buy, sell, sell, and people are like, oh, what's happening over here? Yeah. Try doing that with estate planning and tax planning, right? Try doing that with budgets and cash flow. Very difficult to do. There's only so many topics to talk about and so many ways to say it. You have to be super creative one way or the other. What's the shtick to be able to put these lessons and when you do introduce that lesson you got to get good enough at making it digestible you can't go rambling on about crats and cruts and you'd never do that but you can make a a joke about wills healthcare proxy power of attorney like what if you don't have one right you can tell a funny story that happened in the attorney's office when debating over you know which grandparent was going to get the kid and how one grandparent didn't want the granddaughter but the other one wanted the grandson i mean you can just be creative here and do stuff like that. And all of a sudden, you're taking something that's probably the most vanilla, boring thing you would ever have at a dinner table and turn it into something like, hey, I got a chuckle. And yeah, I'm going to go update my estate planning document. It's funny how that works.
0: What about tactical things for 2021, Doug, like higher taxes, the potential for higher taxes, potentially lower returns for equity markets, the rotation in asset classes, even crypto, any of these themes that are, that are on your mind that you're having conversations with your clients about right now?
1: Let's start with taxes. You got a new administration here saying that if you're making you know, over $400,000, you're, you're going to pay more in taxes. So if you're an advisor dealing with people who make over $400,000, you're going to have conversations around that. Now, nothing has been done right now. So I think they're really just conversations. And setting expectations is probably a very good thing for a financial advisor to do. You don't really have a lot of data to go off of. And look, you know, this is not a political statement, but you know, we still have a runoff going on, which could sway... The Senate, and that would give Dems a lot of power to make broader changes or quicker changes to things like the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. So you you gotta you gotta kind of just prepare people to deal with whatever the fallout's going to be, one way or the other. So conversational on the tax front, I would imagine even with what we've been doing from a stimulus front and injecting liquidity uh, into the economy, yeah, I could see tax rates going high. You kind of have to come to that conclusion. So there will be not just in 2021, but I think moving forward. Uh, larger and larger conversations around tax planning for for a particular set of clients as far as anticipating you know the emergence of other asset classes you mentioned crypto i mean here we are in crypto run you know 8.0 this one's the second biggest one so 2017 you know this is 2017 version 2.0 however you want to say it we blasted through 20,000 here you got professor galloway calling for 50,000 you got big name saying yeah i i got friends who work you know uh, career equity research analysts are like i see 2 trillion dollar market cap like we're past the point of no return and these are people i trust and i'm and here i am you know still being more skeptical than them despite being someone who's been in that space for for much longer than almost anyone it's wild and if you're a financial advisor you need to know what's going on here I've certainly had more inbound inquiries regarding crypto. I wish regulatory uh, guidance was better. I wish the tools were better. We know our friends who are working on fixing a lot of these things, but you do not want to be behind the eight ball, Even even if it doesn't become digital gold, you can't. Be someone who can't field basic questions about the hottest thing in the investment markets right now. You you can't, you can't do that. And then, as far as just equities in general and low returns, again, you know, notwithstanding certain political outcomes here, regardless of that, I, I actually could make more of a case for fertile soil for stocks to go higher than I can them to come down. And, you know, we know the obvious ones, like it's a bubble, like these valuations are unsustainable, especially for your technology growth-oriented companies. I, I get you. And and I don't know if a Zoom can, you know, grow into that PE. Then you look over at Tesla, which is like the, the prime example of parabolic PE price of a stock. And you're like, well, they do blast rocket ships into outer space and land them on little pads, you know, like in the ocean. I could make a case for how you grow into that valuation. No one else is literally changing you know, how we go about powering stuff in the world. So again, education is at the forefront of every one of these things. I think the takeaway I have for 2021 is if you weren't wearing your educator hat before, go. you're going to have to wear the biggest hat you've ever worn. And if you were already wearing it, you're going to go grab the biggest hat you've ever worn still in that case as
0: well. Right. And then when you're looking at the asset classes and we know some of the things that we used to guess about, which is, what are interest rates going to be like next year, or the year after? We actually know those things, right? We what's inflation looking like? Yeah, creeping, but we kind of know the Fed's kind of got that under control. We also know that there's this massive safety net that they've laid under the capital markets. I remember this in two thousand nine, and people I work with said, "Back up the truck because we're never going to see anything like this before." You we were kind of in that there is no alternative to some degree, but. Risk is one of those things that's very difficult in terms of investor behavior, especially for new investors.
1: There's something to be said about uncharted territory. You know, when, when has the Fed, yeah, some can joke, the Fed's always done that. But when has the Fed literally guaranteed backstopping the capital markets? When has the Fed said, we're going to be in, you know, zero interest rate for the foreseeable future? Never. So you have to take with a grain of salt people who are saying they absolutely know what's going to happen here. Stop that. <laughs> you didn't before and you don't now. And I'm not going to pretend that I do. But you can, of course, take that information and put together investment you know philosophy around that or investment programs for clients and have that conversation. Ultimately, I'm here to help people make the best decisions with their money. It's not me just saying, do this, do that. Are you cool with this? Are you cool with that? Okay, let's implement.
0: Your industry and financial advice in general has become so much more holistic than it used to be. It's not just about asset allocation, it's not just about where we're putting our money for returns, it's all those things insurance, healthcare planning. College planning for kids. It is the entire burrito, so to speak, of financial advice. And you're so good at doing that. Let's say a a new client walks into your office or into your Zoom meeting for the first time. It's a young married couple or starting a family on the verge of starting a family like you. What are the first questions you ask them to get them in the mindset of holistic planning and then investing?
1: Yeah, you go for these like really broad, you know, kind of sweeping statements. Like, you want to know what would it take for that relationship? How would they view the relationship? as a success. Like I want to know from them, like where the value centers are. My job is to deliver that value. Now I know bringing them through the financial planning process and getting them, you know, in tip top shape, an organizational level that they wouldn't be coming to me if they didn't feel like they need that kind of organization. I'll try and help them see if they're there already. If not, I'll tell them keep doing what they're doing. But that's ultimately what I want to know is where, where's the value in working with someone and how can I create that? Let me introduce financial planning to you and what that process looks like, show you how we service you and create the relationship around that. And if you're walking away from that discussion and you get plenty of time to think about it, I want you just to say, yeah, like there's value for days. That fee is more than justified. He didn't offend me. His face doesn't offend me. (laughs) I'm going to to work with him and I'm going to give it a year and investments aren't even a topic of conversation at that point. Very rarely are people like, what do I do with a million dollars when you invested for me? Stop. And, and I think that highlights what you just said, how you know you see this shift away from, like who, who's doing that? <laughs> I mean, I know by and large, the majority of the industry is doing that, but I'm, I'm calling the future trend here. We're gonna get far away from that and you're gonna have to rely on professionals to give you the peace of mind that you're looking for to know you're tracking for the things that you want for yourself.
0: You're a part of a community of advisors, many of them young, but not necessarily all who are all about that that holistic financial planning. It is the north star planning. What is the value of money to you? Why is it important in your life? What do you want to do with it versus Tesla or Amazon or value or growth or small cap or big cap, right?
1: Yeah, you're going to get to those conversations. You know, I I have my own philosophy of Getting to the point of when it's appropriate or earning that right to invest, meaning you've handled all the foundational areas that keep you safe, that keep you on track, that make sure you don't you know, go blow up a 401k because an emergency came your way. We try and share with our clients that okay things things went wild in 2020 in, in the north direction for for certain stocks and the market in general <laughs> even bonds did okay like there's still cl- clocking six seven percent like you couldn't have only way place you did wrong was cash was it two years ago or one year ago where cash was the best asset class you know it's just like complete 180 from where we just were and I think that again emphasizes like you thought you knew, you don't know. So don't focus on that thing you can't control. We should spend 99.9% of our time focusing on the things we can control. By the way, you want to build out an opportunity portfolio, you want to feel like you're participating, part of the action. I love that. I love that. I think that's my biggest takeaway from 2020 as a practitioner is now incorporating, you know, breaking 5% of someone's core you know, risk adjusted. Here's the lingo. So 60, 40, 80, 20 is younger. So go to 80, 20. Okay. Let's take 5% of that, you know, get up to a certain asset level. Maybe that's 20 grand, 50 grand, hundred grand. And let's go discuss our five favorite. We'll equally weight them. Let's have a conversation. You know, don't, don't put it all on me. I want to know, I want you to become an investor. And we spend all this time focusing on, you know, financial planning and goals and putting, an investment plan together and sticking with with it. Like When we get all that done, why would we rob them of the experience that everyone's having? It does a lot of positive things. Number one, it, it gets rid of the fear of missing out. Number two, it gets them involved in the market to an extent, to a fault, without them going overboard. And it doesn't blow up their financial plan if they get anything
0: wrong. Quick lightning round here. I say a word or phrase. You respond straight from the hip. We haven't pre pre rehearse this at all, so this is straight, straight on the on the playing field. First one, Spac, Special Purpose Acquisition Company.
1: Overhyped. I think this is where we're going to see disappointment. I, I hope I'm wrong. I want people to make money, but like liquidity flying around on blank checks. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think you know. It's going to take a lot of talent to get to, to hit sure, home what runs could go here. Wrong? So yeah, what could go wrong? There'll be one or two shining examples and not a whole lot of bad examples.
0: Keurig trash. I knew that was coming. Annuities. Fee-laden traps that
1: might work for a small minority of people who like guarantees.
0: In five years, the financial advice industry will be
1: blank. Less AUM, more flat fee.
0: If you knew blank was going to happen in 2020, you would have blank.
1: Bought YOLO Tesla calls that were deep out of the money.
0: What's your favorite finance or investing term and why? You know, we're a site of financial terms. What's your favorite?
1: Generational buying opportunity. I love that. You know, that G- it sounds so cool. G B O. And we had one this year. You hadn't seen that since 2008, nine. I don't know when the one, yeah, then.com, right? And then I don't know. Then I'm too. <laughs> you're I'm you're too dating young. yourself
0: or you're dating yeah. me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just want to be respectful for, to you here. Sir. You're, you um, right. The generational buying opportunity. And we talk about that. And I just say this. I know it's lightning round. We talk about them all the time. They come very, they, you know, people in the moments of these generational buying opportunities, it's, it's like that hindsight bias. Like you, you definitely would have done that in 2020. Yeah. Global pandemic. People losing jobs. Your kids are at home. I'm calling you on the phone, telling you to go buy the dip with your precious cash or to be risk on. Easier said than done. And I think the epitome of a great advisor or anyone who's in, or or even the client or an individual who's in control of their money can handle what's going on in that most wild situation and make a clear decision an opportunistic decision because if you did again hindsight 2020 here if you did what are you up now on the S&P 66 you could have just done the S&P 500 or you know you could have gone parabolic with Zoom Peloton you know Tesla you name it run down the list apparently you know Palantir is like you, you would have done well so
0: yeah, you almost couldn't miss and you're right it, it could it looks like it was one of those what's your hottest take for 2021 as we close out the year here i could be
1: flat out wrong of course but we just keep ripping i think 2021 as far as the markets go you know i i wouldn't be so shocked to see that it's just another obnoxiously like booming year and yeah you could say pent up demand from from covid stimulus all of these things it's just like you know so for all the haters or bears out there they're like it's got to pull back i don't 100% disagree with you. Like it will <laughs> just wait long enough, it will. But 2021, I don't know. Watch it rip again, and everyone's gonna be like, Holy cow, that's my
0: hot take. I can see why you would say that. And but I also know how hard it is to say that with a straight face. But you could have been saying that in 17, 19, 20. Who would have known? And 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 I see why you go with that. Doug Bonaparte from Bonafide Wealth. So good to have you on the Express, and and thanks for being such a good friend to Investopedia.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I love you guys.
0: It's terminology time, time for educated investors like us to smarten up with the investing term we need to know this week. This week's term comes to us courtesy of Pedro, who goes by Pedro Evans on the social media channels. Pedro will be rocking the elegant and stylish Investopedia socks for his suggestion, and you can too by DMing us on Instagram with your suggestion, should we choose it. Pedro suggests Santa Claus Rally this week, and we can't say no to Santa. My favorite website says the Santa Claus Rally is a sustained increase in the stock market that occurs in the last week of December through the first trading days of January. There are numerous explanations for the causes of a Santa Claus rally, including tax considerations, a general feeling of optimism and happiness among investors getting to the end of the year, maybe the investing of those holiday bonuses. Another theory is that big institutional investors tend to go on vacation at this time of year, leaving the market to retail investors, and we tend to be a little bit more bullish. Whatever the reason, history does show that the last 10 trading days of the year have been positive for the S&P 500, with a median gain of just over 1%, and positive returns over 70% of the time. Hey, in 2020, that would be like extra cookies for Santa. Good suggestion, Pedro. Happy holidays to you and enjoy your socks. We're going to let my sister, the indomitable Claude Silver, the chief heart officer for VaynerMedia and one of the most enlightened leaders in corporate America today, take us out this week. Someone is always in need of something that you have. Someone will always benefit from you being kind and compassionate and generous. So, the hands down, and it, it, if it's not one, it's 10 people will benefit from it. And so reaching out, crossing a bridge, being that person to say, Hey, how you doing, goes a long, long way. And it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. And the
1: return
0: is everything. The return on that is remarkable. Whether or not your heart feels good, you get an oxytocin hit, you just you feel like you've done right. And uh, right now, we need as much of that as, as we, could, we can get. In a year like the one we've just had, being kind and good to one another is the best medicine, and Claude knows all about that. If you want to learn more about leading with heart to get the best out of yourself and your team, follow Claude Silver everywhere you can, and your own heart will just get a little bit bigger. She's a pretty damn good sister, too. From the engine room of the Investopedia Express, I'm Caleb Silver, wishing all of you and your families a safe, healthy, and happy holiday season. We're going to take the next week off and tune up our engines for 2021, but we'll be back on the tracks on January 4th, 2021. Feels really good to say that. We'll talk to you then.